0: Some folks teach that God has predestined just a select group to be saved. I mean, if you are not included in that group, too bad, right? Is this a scriptural teaching? Well, we'll answer this question on this edition of End of the Age. I had a very important question come into our ministry just a week or so ago. And I've dealt with this over the years and so I know that there are people that are dealing with the question of predestination. So the question I got was, "Hey Dave, I was raised to believe in predestination, but I'm questioning it, questioning that now that I am" studying the Bible more. What do you guys, End Time Ministries, the End of the Age program, teach on predestination? Well, I'm going to analyze this question from a few different perspectives as we go along. Um, Predestination that God would, predestinated only a select group of people that would be saved. If you're not in that group, Why even try, right? There are people that question that. They're going through life and they think, nothing's working out for me. I can't get things right. My relationship with God isn't really working out. And so I may be in the group that God did not predestine to be saved. But I want to cover that because that's actually not a scriptural teaching. So I'm, again, I'm going to hit it from many different perspectives because I want to make sure you get this. The opportunity to be saved is for every single person. And hopefully before I'm done with these segments, you will understand that in great detail. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3-5 through five, says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, You say, well, it's pretty clear right there, right? I mean, it says right here that God has chosen us in Him and predestined us before the foundation of the world. That's what it says, doesn't it? Well, some folks have taught that God has predestined, again, a select group of people. Only these people that He predestined would be saved. And, of course, if you're not in that group, then, hey, why should I even try to be saved because... God predestined that group. I'm not even going to try. I'll live life however I want because it doesn't even matter. That's why you need to look at every topic in Scripture because somebody just focused on this. They pulled this Scripture out and said, well, hey, and others kind of like it, and they said, well, hey, God has only predestined a few people, a group of people, and that's it. But this is very key. Just like any topic in Scripture, when you're studying something out, you've got to look at every verse that pertains to that topic. Now, I will tell you, I do not believe, uh, I do not agree with the belief. Uh, in answering the question to this specific individual, I don't believe, I don't believe in that belief system of predestination the way you were taught. At least, like some of the Reformers believed. Why? Well, look at Romans 8, 29 through 30. The Bible says, "...for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. So, we believe in predestination according to foreknowledge. Because the Bible does talk about predestination, right? But it's predestination according to foreknowledge, and therefore, I believe salvation is available for every single person under the sound of my voice. So, with that said... Let me explain. If you look at this closely here, uh, Romans 8, 29 through 30, Paul demonstrated God's providence by presenting his eternal plan of salvation for man, which includes five phases. And uh, this comes from the Apostolic Study Bible. Um, Number one, foreknowledge. God's plan began with his foreknowledge that man would fall into sin. Consequently, before the foundation of the world, he already planned Calvary. First Peter one eighteen through twenty. Bible says for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So he foresaw that some men and women would accept his offer of salvation and that he would have a church. So he designed an eternal plan for that church. Now, you understand God knows the end from the beginning here, folks. God is from everlasting to everlasting. So he's already seen all of this play out. He's already seen eternity play out. Now, I know we can't wrap our finite mind around that. But as, as much as you can believe that God has never been created, he's all the way ahead of us. So he's already seen all this play out. So that's where we get into foreknowledge and predestination here, okay? Now, predestination, God predestined for the church to be molded in the likeness of His Son. To predestine means to, um, to foreordain, to, to determine in advance, to plan ahead of time with no possibility of alteration. And so it's very important that we understand some of these principles as we go through here. And we'll get into this in much more detail uh, in these upcoming segments. But we want you to understand there's a big difference between predestination and predestination according to foreknowledge. And that's what we're walking down through the five phases of this salvation plan.
1: Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started end time ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and end of the age plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you.
2: Major Internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, You can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now, or search into the H plus in the App Store or Google Play.
0: Okay, we're going to get right back into this lesson just a moment. I got a quick announcement. Um, I will be in Justin, Texas this coming weekend, Saturday night, 6 p.m., Sunday morning, 10 a.m., at the Rock. Church of Justin, 411 Lutie Avenue, Justin, Texas. Uh, Saturday night, I'll be doing the Antichrist Socialistic Kingdom. And I, on Sunday morning, breaking prophetic fulfillments. If we have time, we'll do a QA and a segment. You've got to hear these lessons, folks. It's very important. These are things that are happening right now in the news. I've got some updates. I put this lesson together in December. And at the conference, I'll be giving you already updates. It's not even a month old. And I'll be giving you updates on all this stuff. So, uh, look forward to joining you there. All the information is on our website, endtime.com, events, and then conferences tab. So, we're going through the um, the eternal plan of salvation in the five phases. Number one was foreknowledge. Number two, predestination, here in Romans 8, 29-30. So, it, when you think of predestination, God predestined... For the church to be molded into the likeness of His Son. To predestine means, again, foreordained, to determine in advance. To plan ahead of time with no possibility of alteration. Predestination applies to God's plan, not the fate of each individual. Very important on our topic today. For the individual still has the freedom to choose whether or not he or she will be in the church, right? But God has already foreseen all of this. He knows the end from the beginning, right? So in verse 29 here, Romans eight twenty-nine, the word whom is plural. And that indicates that the, the group is predestined, but not the individual. God predestined the incarnation, the atonement, the church, the ultimate um, salvation of everyone in the church. Predestination. So we've got foreknowledge, predestination. Again, we're in Romans 8, 29 through 30. And then a calling. Based on His plan, God then began calling on man to submit to His plan. The offer of salvation extends to every single person. But only those who respond in faith are chosen. Uh, Matthew twenty sixteen says, So the last shall be first, the first last. But for many are called, but few are chosen. Then number four in the eternal plan of salvation, justification. God justifies those who he calls out of sin, and he counts them as righteous. And then glorification. Number five, the final step is the culmination of the sanctification process. Ultimately, the righteous will receive um, glorified bodies, sinless bodies. And since verse 30 speaks of glorification in the past tense, even though the whole section points to it as the future, this shows that in the mind of God... Glorification is absolutely certain, and it is as good as done. If only we will stay with God's program. This is very important, because not everybody's going to be saved like some people teach. But if you stay with God's program, you will surely inherit the eternal glory with Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 24, To he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And then this section here ends as it begins with the promise of future glory with the Lord. Now, I want to talk about predestination verse, uh, um, and foreknowledge. It's very important here. So, and again, I told you I was going to hit this from many different perspectives. It has been widely taught in some Christian circles, that we are not in control of our own destiny, but rather our fate has been predetermined. It is sealed in concrete, and there is nothing we can do about it. And furthermore, we don't know what, the fate, what that fate is. And so we, must, what, we just pretty, kind of muddle through life, hoping that we are one of the few who have been chosen. But I want to talk to you today about predestination versus free will. Because this is where a lot of people get hung up on this predestination and they just get their mind wrapped up off that and think, well, hey, my life's kind of not working out like I think it should. So I must be in the group that was never predestined. Well, that is, the Bible does talk about predestination, but that's why I went through predestination according to foreknowledge. Okay? Okay. So let's talk about predestination versus free will. The teaching on predestination for some is rooted in the assumption that there has always been a righteous seed and a wicked seed, dating all the way back to Adam and Eve. And it is believed that the seed of Cain is the wicked seed, and Abel, the righteous seed. After Abel's death, Seth assumed the righteous line. And if you are of that seed, then, hey, you will come to the saving knowledge of Christ. If not, there's nothing you can do about it. Now, wow, how would you like to live under that? And your fate is pretty much sealed. Now, again, I'm teaching against that. Okay, so just everybody relax here. Uh, I'm not teaching that as the truth. I'm teaching what some people teach and have come to believe. So, I want you to know, though, that the preaching of predestination destroys the biblical principle of free will. From from the Gospels through, um, if you look at the Gospels through Revelation, Scripture clearly tells us that whosoever will, let him come. Now, am I thankful for that? You better believe it. And all of us should be. Jesus said in Mark um, eight thirty five. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same, the, the same shall save it. So the same concept is echoed at the end of Revelation, which says, Let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will... Let him take of the water of life freely. That would be what? Uh, Revelation 22, verse 17. And so the issue is our will, not the luck of the draw. There's not only a few select that are going to be saved. It's whosoever will. If you have a yearning and, and, and seek the Lord and want to be saved, you can be. Yet again, the Bible does refer to predestination, right? Again, and we'll go back to this scripture several times as I go through these different perspectives. Romans eight twenty nine, For whom he did foreknow. There's foreknowledge again. Whom God did foreknow, because he knows the end from the beginning already. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So predestinated according to foreknowledge. According to the Bible, God knows the end from the beginning and He knows our thoughts while they're yet afar off. The question is, if God is never wrong, can He foreknow what we will do without forcing us to do it? The answer is yes. That's why it's predestined according to foreknowledge. God's already seen how it all played out, but he did not make you do it. And I know, I know I'm spending a little time here, but you can, you, you can get kind of confused if you don't walk through these scriptures. So let me, let me explain it kind of like this. God's view from the mountaintop. Imagine, so think, think of it like this. You're sitting on a hilltop, looking down on a two-lane road that curves around the hill there are two cars going in the same direction, okay? They're coming from your right. You're up on the hill looking down. They're coming from the same direction. It's only a two-lane road. One is trying to pass the other on a curve, which is a bad thing. But due to the curve in the road, the passing car does not see that there's a car approaching from your perspective, from your left. And so from your vantage point, you foreknow that there's going to be an accident. You did not cause it to happen. You didn't, you didn't have anything to do with it. But you did foreknow it was going to happen, right? So this kind of illustrates foreknowledge as opposed to predestination. God is able to see the end from the beginning, but He does not control or dictate our free will, and what our actions are. He just knows how it's all going to play out. But God will never supersede your free will. Remember that. If that's the case, everybody would be saved today. And so it's very important. I mean, God would, you know, drag you into church and force you to be saved. He's never going to do that. He presents you eternal life. That's why we share the gospel all over the world. Some people will say, I've had people, to me, in one Bible study. Some people get up and walk out and say, I don't want anything to do with this. But I've had people in that same Bible study say, oh my goodness, Dave, thank you so much. My life is forever changed because of this knowledge of the truth. People sitting in the same Bible study. Some people wanted it, and some people got up and walked out, and I've never seen them since. So God puts before us life and death. And it's His will that we choose life. But at the end of the day, He will not supersede our free will. It's our choice. And so, um, in Deuteronomy 30, 19, it emphasizes that human beings have the power of choice. Moses said, I call heaven and earth uh, to to, to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, Blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. It's your choice that both you and thy seed may live. God puts before every person life and death. And it, it is His will that we choose life. But again, it's our choice. Free will. And you know, while denying that a person is predestined to be saved or lost we still have to acknowledge that the Bible does teach predestination, but only according to foreknowledge. Again, I'm going to go back to Romans 8:29 once again. The Bible says, whom he did foreknow. That's so important. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. The key to understanding predestination according to foreknowledge Oh, man, let's see. It would go something like this. God foreknew what he would, what, what we would choose because he knows the end from the beginning again, remember. So God foreknew what we would choose and do from the beginning of time. And this did not predestinate anything. However, knowing that each of us had exercised freedom of choice in every situation because you understand God's already seen everything ahead of us. So God said, knowing that we what we would choose, God said, okay, it is good, and um, so be it. And once he saw that justice had been done in every case, and once he said, so be it, then according to all things, were we were, it was predestinated according to his foreknowledge, the foreknowledge of God concerning the choices that we made of our own volition. Again, He will not supersede your free will. He'll let you make the choices all throughout your life. But He predestined according to His foreknowledge. This is a big difference. Some people just teach predestination because it's in the Bible. But they don't understand the concept of predestination according to foreknowledge and then free will. The, the the teachings of predestination without foreknowledge goes against the Bible's teaching of free will. Now, the Bible says, uh, John 14, 29, and now I've told you these things before it comes to pass that when it comes to pass, you might believe. So I want to look, again, I told you I was going to look at foreknowledge and predestination from several different perspectives here. So let's look at... Um, let's look at uh, foreknowledge uh, in through the, into the eyes of maybe Bible prophecy. So the role of Bible prophecy, and we're talking about predestination, foreknowledge, free will. Do we really have a choice here? Or are we, are we mere mu- just puppets in a much larger scheme of things? You know, when we talk about the coming world government, do we have a choice to even maybe comply with that or not? Uh, world government, uh, world religion, interfaithism, the Middle East, a cashless society. I mean, who's causing these things to happen? I mean, is it God, Satan, man himself? But God Almighty has shared with us some of his foreknowledge, right? Because God knows the end from the beginning. How does he know these prophecies are going to take place in such intricate detail? Because he knows the end from the beginning. It is called Bible prophecy. Amos 3 7 states, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealed his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. So we're talking about predestination, foreknowledge, free will, from many different perspectives. A lot of people don't bring prophecy into a foreknowledge discussion. But we'll talk about it a little more in the next segment.
3: Whether it's a global pandemic,
0: predestination, foreknowledge, free will discussion, there is the role of Bible prophecy in this. It helps us to understand the foreknowledge of God. I mean, you ever wonder why Why has God chosen to make prophecy nearly one-third of the Bible? Because prophecy fulfilled provides us with a great foundation for our faith. It builds our faith in the Word of God. I mean, in John 14, 29, uh, Jesus said, and now I have told you these things before it come to pass that when it comes to pass, you might believe. Prophecy builds faith. And then Jesus added in uh, Revelation 19, 10, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So God's giving us a little... Um, a, a, a perspective of his foreknowledge, right? He's given us some examples. These prophecies are God's foreknowledge because he knows the end from the beginning. Well, this helps us to kind of understand predestination according to foreknowledge. And and also our free will. There are some prophecies uh, that are set in stone. Uh, and we know that Israel will build a third temple. And so should we, as Christians, try to take active steps to build it? Well, I don't believe we should because Scripture tells us that God does not dwell in the temples made with hands, Acts 7, 4-8. We know it's coming, but rather we should see the fulfillment of this prophecy as proof of the accuracy of God's word and the nearness of his prophesied second coming. What about the United States of America in the Bible? I mean, should we pray for our president and nation and be politically active? Absolutely. Uh, you know, prayer can change things. But the United States is going to be in the Bible. It's in the Bible, and it will have a certainly a role in the end time standing with Israel all the way to the end. But prayer can change things as far as our president and different individuals' you know, um, decisions. Certainly we should pray. Only God knows how it will all turn out uh, other than the prophecies that are set in stone. We've already got those written out for us and the prophecies always come to pass. So the prophecies are set, but we still have our free will. You say, well, how is that? Well, consider the mark of the beast. Revelation 13, verse 16 and 17. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead and that no man might by sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. That prophecy is going to happen just like all of the prophecies that have preceded it. The prophecy is set, but we have free will not to participate in Satan's evil scheme, right? Revelation 20, verse 4, The Bible, uh, John said, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them. Judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded... For the witness of Jesus for the Word of God, and had not which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark in their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. now okay, just relax a little bit. It does not mean that everyone who does not take the mark of the beast is going to be beheaded i'm just I'm, I'm simply trying to make up to point out that we do have free will not to participate in Satan's end-time scheme. Well, if we've got free will not to participate in Satan's end-time schemes, think about the flip side of that. Aren't you glad we also have free will to participate in God's plan if we choose? So isn't it so important to understand these different concepts about predestination, foreknowledge, free will? Everybody, under the sound of my voice has an opportunity to participate in the plan of salvation that Jesus Christ purchased on Calvary. Everybody. Don't let Satan get your mind wrapped up in some of these teachings that are out there and say, well, I, you know, life hasn't really worked out for me thus far, and so, like I would have wanted it to, I may be in the group that's not predestined. Uh-uh. Predestination according to foreknowledge. God has already seen how everything's played out you have free will today. Now, he knew how your free will, all your decisions would play out through your life before the beginning. However, it's predestined for that he would have a church and a kingdom of God. And you have free will to get on board with that. Everybody say, well, Dave, I know, but I've committed this, you know, heinous sin. And I can't, you know, there's no way God will love me. That's a lie from Satan. Satan. God loves you. God came and died to purchase a plan of salvation so he could forgive you of that heinous act. And so don't let Satan wrap your mind up in that stuff. That's a lie. Satan wants you to go where he's going. And so it's predestination according to foreknowledge and you have free will to get on board. So let's do that, right? Now, let's look at predestination from an author and friend of ours, a David K. Bernard, another perspective. Uh, it goes along the same thing because we all believe the same thing, but I wanted you to hear the aspect. And, you know, I, I, the reason I'm going from all these different perspectives, prophecy and, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, the view from the mountaintop and all these things, I want to make sure you get this. Because a lot of people, more than you would think, wrestle with this. I wasn't born into the right family. Uh, I don't have enough money. Uh, that much money, so I may not be in the ones that were predestined. No, you've got free will. If you want salvation, you can have it. It's for everyone. So I want you to make sure you get this. I mean, has it ever crossed your mind that you just might be one of the ones that God didn't predestine? And if that's the case, why even try? But again, false teaching. Don't let the enemy place those thoughts in your mind. Say, Dave, why are you hitting this so hard? Because I deal with people all the time that are wrestling with this. Salvation available to everyone. And if I have time, I'm going to prove that in great detail in just a moment. Now, again, before creation, God chose us for salvation. It's Ephesians 1, 4-5. According to Calvinism, God predestines the destiny of each individual before he or she is born. Unconditionally choosing some for heaven and the rest of us for hell. Now again, we don't agree with this. I'm just telling you a little history here. So, however, God predestined the plan of salvation through Jesus Christ, which enables everyone to be saved. I mean... You know, in order to be saved, you must respond to the gospel in faith. The um, the destination, or I'm I'm sorry, um, the doctrine of individual predestination, most closely associated with John Calvin, but Augustine in in the fifth century was the first significant Christian theologian to teach it. Prior to him, it it had been embraced by the, the Gnostics. In the second century, and it was adopted by the Protestant reformers, Luther and Calvin, in the that would have been about the 16th century, as part of their attempt to refute the, the practice of salvation by works in the Roman in uh, Roman Catholicism. So the, again, this doctrine states that God, as an act of his sovereign will, unilaterally decides. Who will be saved and who will be lost, apart from any desire, intention, choice, response, or action on their part. And that doctrine, uh, their plan of salvation operates as um, the God elected those who he wanted saved. Okay? Now, this is what they teach, not what we teach. This is what they teach. I just want to give you a little history here. And that Jesus Christ died to purchase the salvation for those individuals only. And that God sends grace to the individuals that he has chosen and gives them faith. And that by faith God has given them that they are justified, counted as righteous, and regenerated or born again. And then since this work of salvation is an external uh, forensic or a legal transaction, it does not involve an immediate inward Transformation. The the saved person continues to commit sin, but now as a justified sinner. And I won't take time to go into all that, but the, the result is in almost, it's like a mechanical system that operates without human participation. God establishes a plan in which various elements are necessary, and then He provides each of them And faith has nothing to do with uh, the human will, individual choice, personal experience. Rather, it is simply something that God demands and provides at the same time. And he imparts it automatically to those he has elected to save. Now, again, that's kind of where it all came from. This doctrine contradicts the Bible definitions of faith and repentance as well as the biblical doctrines of the new birth and the life of holiness. And it is true that God is sovereign and that salvation is the work of God's grace from start to finish. That's absolutely true. At the same time, God has chosen to extend grace not to a select few, but to everyone. Um, Titus 2.11 And he saves those who respond in faith. Ephesians 2 8 through 9. I mean, faith is our positive, active response to God's grace. Accepting God's grace is not only possible, but necessary to be saved. And doing so is not a a, 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 a meritorious human work that brings salvation. And moreover, it is impossible. Um, actually, that the, is the, the essence of our saving faith. But it's impossible to separate saving faith from the obedience of faith, right? Romans 1.5, remember? When sinners begin to believe, their first necessary step of faith is to repent. To turn from sin to God. That's Mark one fifteen, Acts 2.38. And while the Calvinistic definition of faith rightly eliminates meritorious works, it does so at the unscriptural expense of eliminating the human will itself. So under Calvinism, a person's perception of choosing to repent and serve God becomes really merely an illusion, which is very dangerous because that's part of salvation. So the Bible speaks of predestination and and, um, election in relation to the plan of God. Remember uh, Romans 8, 29 through 30. Because of his foreknowledge that humans would sin, God predestined in incarnation, the atonement, uh, and the church. He guarantees the destiny of the church... But people choose whether to be in the church or not. It's it, it goes back to free will. Predestined, according to foreknowledge, God knowing how your free will would play out. But he will never supersede your free will. Never. I talked to my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, years ago, and he said, I said, man, um, you know, we've dealt with certain people for 30 years, and they just wouldn't straighten up. And he said, Dave, there came a time in my life when I had to just come to the realization that some people are just bound and determined they're going to go to hell no matter what you do you couldn't offer them enough money to get in church they don't want to be they don't want anything to do with it he said i had to learn that and it's a hard lesson to learn because you want to save everybody but some people simply have free will and they don't want anything to do with god Isn't that a wonderful promise from God? That if anybody, under the sound of my voice, anybody, anywhere in the world, if by a step of faith and by their free will, they are born again and enter as a part of the body of Christ, the church, and remain in it, we have an assurance of salvation. I mean, we can speak of the unconditional election of the church collectively, but when we speak of individuals... We must say that God's election is based on His foreknowledge of their choice. That's 1 Peter 1, 2. God knows all things, including the future. Remember the prophecy that I went through. But His foreknowledge is not the same as predestination. God always gives humans a real choice to serve Him or not, to be saved or not. Um, Deuteronomy 11, 26 through 28, it says, behold, I sit before you this day, blessing and a curse, a blessing. If you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you this day and a curse, if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, but turn aside out of the way, which I command you this day to go after other gods, which ye have known God, give them a choice all the way back in Deuteronomy. And it, all, it actually all, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, right? They had a choice. You can eat out of anything in this garden, any tree, but don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And guess what? They made the wrong choice, and we're still paying for that today. Um, Deuteronomy 30, verse uh, 15 through 20. says, "See says, uh, See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, if thine heart, if thine own will, it comes down to your free will. But if in thine heart you turn away, so that thou will not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whether thou passest over Jordan to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. "...that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and thy length of days, and that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them." It all comes down to your free will. God's not going to force you to do anything. It's God's will that none should perish And that all that come under repentance. But God's will is not always done in the earth. I pray for it to be done, but it's not. If that's the case, everybody would be saved, right? But some people, because of their will, it's not my will to go to church. It's not my will to serve God. I want to do what I want to do. God gives you that free choice. But there's coming a day of reckoning, right? Joshua uh, 24, 15. And if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in those land in the land you, whom you, that you dwell now. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Ezekiel thirty-three eleven through nineteen. Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn away from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? Therefore, thou son of man, say unto the children of thy people, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of the transgression. And for the wickedness of the wicked he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turneth from his wickedness. Neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sinneth. When I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live if he trust to his own righteousness and commit iniquity, all his righteousnesses shall not be remembered, but for his iniquity that he hath committed he shall die for it. Again, when I say unto the wicked that thou shalt surely die, if he turn from his sin and do that which is lawful and right, if the wicked restore the pledge and give again that, that he had robbed, walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live. This is all about free will, everybody. The Bible says he shall not die. None of his sins that hath committed shall be mentioned unto him. He hath done that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. Just choose to do right, everybody. Yet the children of of thy people say, The way of the Lord is not equal. But as for them, their way is not equal. When the righteous turneth from his righteousness and committeth iniquity, he shall even die thereby. But if the wicked turn from his wickedness and do that which is lawful and right, he shall live thereby. You have a free will, Use that free will to choose to be saved and to live for God. You say, but I was I'm not in the predestined few. That is not true. You, God, you have free will today to move towards God and to participate in that plan of salvation. Predestination according to foreknowledge, and you have free will. Um, John 3:16 through 21. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. Whosoever, not the chosen few, whosoever, but have ever, everlasting life. For God sent His Son into the world, uh, to not, not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is that, the condemnation. That the light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. My father-in-law told me. Some people are just bound and determined to go to hell. They don't want anything to do with God. They don't want anything to do with salvation. They want to live after their own flesh. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest. Just confess your sins and get it over with. Confess them to God. That they are wrought in God. Revelation 3, 19-21. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, not the select predestined few, but if any man hear my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, I will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcome, and am set down with my Father in his throne." You know, salvation is by grace. it's by the grace of God, but humans must accept His plan for their lives through faith. Jesus died for the world. He died for everybody. and the call to salvation extends to everyone, not just a pre-selected group. That's John 3:16. "Whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely." Revelation twenty two seventeen. 17. Now, with my last little bit of time here, I want everybody to know, and I really want to drive this point home. Salvation is available to every person. I, the reason I want to is because I have had people tell me, I have done this sin. God doesn't love me. I can't be saved. Uh, you know, listen to me. I've dealt with all kinds of people as a minister. People that have murders, child molesters, the the most heinous things you can think of. And had to walk these people through God doesn't love me. I've committed the worst sins uh, and I've had to tell them, you know what? The Bible gives some pretty heinous sins, but yet the Bible says such were some of you, but now you're washed and you've been made clean in the blood of Jesus Christ. You've been made white as snow. God came to save the sinner. He didn't say I came to save a select group of sinners or i came to save people who didn't commit this sin it's not what the bible says he came to save now when you get saved you quit that you don't continue in the sin he saved you from that so it's very important that you understand i mean in other words you don't keep on murdering people or you know all this you don't you you stop that god saved you from that the the lord told the uh woman who was taken in the act of adultery, and they brought him to him. After he had written in the sand, everybody was gone. He said, where are your accusers? She looked around. She said, I don't have any. He said, neither do I condemn you. But Then he said this, go thy way and sin no more. Don't do that anymore. Go get, lead a, a good lifestyle. Get married. Whatever you got to do. Don't, lead, don't do that anymore. And so very, very important that, no, I don't care what you've done. God can save every individual, but you're going to have to quit that stuff. You've got to renounce your old lifestyle and say, Lord, I'm, I'm no, no more of my dreams and goals and aspirations from my flesh. I'm going to live for you. See, a lot of people, they want their Lord to be, they want Jesus Christ to be their Savior, but they don't want him to be the Lord of their life. Big difference. But if you're anybody, salvation's available to everybody. But you've got to make that first step. You've got to believe, yes, I can be saved. I want to make steps towards the Lord. I want to repent. I want to be born again. I want the Lord to be not only my Savior, but my, the Lord of my life. If he doesn't want me to do something, not going to do it. If it's not pleasing to the Lord, I don't want to live that way. And it's, 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 it's huge. It's, it's, it's what's going to save you, folks. Be born again. Be part of the body of Christ. When he comes back and blows the trumpet and sends his angels to gather his elect, you will be part of that group. It's not how you start out. It's how you end up. That's the most important thing. I have did things in my life, not nice things early on. I don't do those things now because I live for God. I want to be saved. I don't do that kind of stuff. That was taking me down the wrong road. But once I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I turned that around. said, I can't do that no more. And I've never been as happy as I am right now. But I've sinned. But God washed all that away and forgave me of all that. He can do it for you too. Anybody. And that's my whole conversation today. Predestination, according to foreknowledge... And you have the free will to participate in this wonderful plan of salvation. So if you'd like to be born again, you don't know how to do that, call us 1-800-363-8463. We'll get you a brochure. What do you mean born again? Go to endtime.com. Look up What do you mean born again? The track's right there on the website. And uh, be thankful. All of us can participate in this.